Well, listeners, we made it. Somehow, it's the end of 2023, our fifth full year together. It's also time for our annual listener sode, one of my personal favorite SSR traditions, and time for me to say see you later as I prepare to take maternity leave from weekly episodes of the show. Before I lay a little more groundwork for the listener sode, some housekeeping. The best way to stay on top of all things SSR, including the details of the show's return, is to follow me on Instagram at SSRPod. I will also post updates on Twitter at SSRPod and on Facebook, but Instagram really is where I spend most of my time on social media. Once I am up and running with prepping the show, you will get some good behind-the-scenes content there. But in the meantime, I will share updates about my personal reading and, in just a few short weeks, introduce you to Baby K. Thank you in advance for your patience as I figure out what this next chapter of podcasting is going to look like. While things will be quiet here in the usual podcast feed for the next few months, I encourage you to check out our ample back catalog while I'm taking time away, especially if you're new to the show. It would be so cool of you to leave ratings and reviews during this time as well. After building this one-woman show all on my own over the past five and a half years, it's honestly a little nerve-wracking to think about what might happen as I take this break. And my hope is that we can continue to bring new eyes and ears to SSR. Ratings, reviews, and social media shares are the way to do that. I will also take one more opportunity on this episode to let you know that our Patreon community will remain active and lively, even as the podcast itself is on pause. I'm planning to continue to produce the vast majority of my usual bonus content for patrons. That includes bonus episodes, newsletters, reading recap videos, our monthly book club, and more. Plus, it's super important as I make a plan to return to recording and producing episodes that I know there's that Patreon support waiting for me. Making the show every week takes literally hours and hours, and as I transition into new mom life, I will, for better or worse, have to weigh practical factors of time and money. Please give it some thought and consider joining our Patreon family for as little as $1 per month. It's the perfect way to stay connected to the podcast. Check it out and get involved at www.patreon.com ssrpodcast or by going to www.ssrpodcast.com and clicking support at the top of the page. To the patrons tuning in now, thank you so much for your continued support. Okay, now on to the listener sode. I loved listening to what you had to say in response to my questions. As we go through the episode, some of these listeners will introduce themselves and I will introduce others to you. You will hear lots of mentions of different books and previous podcast episodes today. I've compiled a full list of those references in the show notes for today's episode, which you can find at www.ssrpodcast.com slash listen slash episode 275. Now it's time to hand it off to the listeners. Let's go to the show. Welcome to the SSR Podcast. You may recognize SSR as an elementary school era abbreviation for silent sustained reading, but if you don't, that's okay. What it stands for here is Shit She Read. Each week, we'll crack the binding on an old school read written for kids or teens and talk about it from a kind of grown-up perspective. We'll obsess over heartthrobs, relive the frustrations of middle school, and say an occasional WTF to a beloved author. If we haven't met yet, I'm your host, Ali Hafkosik freelance writer, lifelong bookworm, and lover of anything covered in rainbow sprinkles. So find your favorite reading spot and a glass of wine. We're about to revisit some literary throwbacks right here on the SSR Podcast. My first question to you for the listener so was, what was your favorite book as a tween or teen? Why did you love it so much? Let's hear from our first listener contributor. 
Hello, my name is Abby Wolf. I have been an SSR pod listener for the past five-ish years and also am a proud SSR pod Patreon member. So I'm going to answer, I think, a little over half of your questions. The first is, what was your favorite book as a tween or teen? Why did you love it so much? I hesitate to even say this, and I'm sure a lot of other people are in the same boat, but I can't erase history. I loved the Harry Potter books. I lived and I breathed by them. I was at the store the night they came out at midnight. One year I was even at the boardwalk in Ocean City. I love the world that the author, who shall not be named, created. And I think that sometimes I just really like to rewind a few years to before I knew more about the author. And they say that you should not meet your idols. And in this case, maybe it's you should not tweet your idols. Or maybe my idols just shouldn't tweet. Or maybe they just shouldn't be bigots. But anyway, loved that series. I'm going to name a few others so that I'm not just lost in Harry Potter world. I also liked The Uglies and I loved Angus thongs and full frontal snogging. And I honestly think the reason I love that book is because it felt like one of the first grown up books I read. And also I love the word snogging. I had never heard it before. And I just felt really scandalous reading a book that had snogging and thongs on the front. Abby, thank you for your honesty about the Harry Potter of it all. You are definitely not alone in your complicated feelings about this series, especially the author that shall not be named. I've been struggling lately because I would love to add Harry Potter to my list of maternity leave reading because it does take me back to such a cozy, comfortable place. But it's obviously not that simple anymore. As far as your other favorites go, The Uglies has been requested by a few other listeners and will hopefully be featured on the show in the future. And yes to the scandal of words like Angus and thongs. We have an episode about that book for those who are interested. Now over to Kat to share her favorites. I didn't have like a for sure favorite book. I mean, if we really wanted to get into it during my teenage years in high school, it was Twilight Mania. But there was a series by Holly Black back in like 2004. I never really knew how to say the name of it. It started with a T. I think it was like Tith or something. Um, it was a fairy series. I adored that series. I was obsessed with that series. And I felt like I was the only person who read that series as a kid. I also read a lot of Ellen Hopkins, which in hindsight was probably... A little too mature for me. I was a big fantasy reader in high school and middle school. Um, so anything I can get my hands on, like fantasy-wise, I was in love with. Thanks, Kat. I was also a big fantasy reader when I was a kid. But other than Twilight, the titles you mentioned are unfamiliar to me. I will have to check them out. Hi, Allie. This is Shira. One of my favorite books as a tween was the All of a Kind Family book. I loved it because I loved the interaction between all the sisters and the families and the different Jewish traditions they would do throughout the year, which is why I was so excited when you covered it on the podcast this year. It is great and the series is great and I always loved following stories of sisters throughout their lifetime. Shira was actually the person who put the All of a Kind Family series on my radar a few years ago and I'm so glad she did. That episode was a long time coming. I can't believe I'd never heard of or read those books before. Let's hear from another listener. Hey, Allie, this is Tracy. I am submitting some questions for the listener episode. So the first question is, what was your favorite book as a tween or teen? For me, one of the series that I really loved as a teen or as a tween, I guess I was a little bit younger, was The Boxcar Children. 
these are books that I just tore through. I absolutely loved reading them when I was younger. And the library that I went to as a kid, the second floor was where the children's books were. And they had one bookshelf that had kind of the Boxcar Children series and it had the Babysitter's Club. That was my favorite shelf. I went there all the time and I would just get whichever books I hadn't read yet. And so I think I read most of the Boxcar Children books and probably read them out of order because I would just pick whichever ones were there at the time and then try to get through all of them. But I was also really happy to hear that the Boxcar Children was on the podcast this year, although, you know, as probably is expected, did not hold up nearly as well as maybe younger Tracy would have liked. Isn't it funny how we can still picture those favorite library shelves from our childhoods? If I close my eyes, I can totally see the spot in my school library where my go-to series were kept. Tracy, the Boxcar Children episodes we've done so far have been such a trip for me. Listeners, check them out if you haven't already. On to question two. What's something non-bookish that makes you feel especially nostalgic about your kid or teen years? Over to you, Abby. Probably because it's around the holidays, I'm thinking about this holiday advent calendar that I don't even know if it's actually technically an advent calendar. It's more like a countdown calendar that my family has and has had since I was little. It's um, like this cloth thing that has little pockets. And then in each pocket is like a little stuffed animal or a tiny, tiny stuffed animal or item like a drum or a dove or a Santa Claus. Santa Claus is always in number 24. And my mom still has it. But every morning of December, she sends my brother and I a picture of what she pulled that morning. So that always sends me back to the Christmases of my past that were so much less stressful. I also feel really nostalgic when I get that that certain smell of spring. Like after a long winter, you just all of a sudden get a whiff of like the grass growing and then the birds are chirping and it automatically sends me back to soccer preseasons because that's like what it was like when I would start soccer in the spring. And then the third thing I thought of was driving by any type of middle school or high school. I'm one of those weird people who actually really liked my high school experience. I'm really lucky in that way. I do miss it sometimes. I miss the closeness that I felt of the community. I miss my the sports that I played. And so whenever I drive by a high school, which is honestly every day because there's a high school across the street from my neighborhood, I feel nostalgic about my teen years. Thank you for sharing those memories with us. I can still remember the advent calendar my family used when I was growing up. And your mention of the smell of spring brings me back to, not because of soccer season, just because. Everyone, meet Holly. Hi, Allie. Thank you for continuing to do the listener sods every year. They are super fun episodes to listen to and also to be a part of. This is for question number two, something non-bookish that makes you feel especially nostalgic about your kid years. I think this year was definitely the summer of Barbie. Uh, I loved the movie and it really brought back all kinds of memories. I had a huge collection of dolls and clothes. I had the minivan, the RV, the veterinary office. (laughs) And this Thanksgiving, my sister-in-law and I actually, we were at my mom's house and we broke out a few of the boxes. We didn't keep everything, but there were a few boxes upstairs um, and we were changing the clothes of the Barbies and just playing and looking through the accessories. And it was very nostalgic. I know this is supposed to be non-bookish, but there was a series of Barbie chapter books that I know I read. I can visualize the like cartoon covers One of them was about a horse ranch. I'm going to do some research and try to send them to Allie for the podcast because I know they existed. 
I'm actually so jealous that you had a full-on Barbie play date recently. Feel free to invite me to your next family gathering. The Barbie mania of 2023 has been so fun. Next up, we will hear from Kat about something non-bookish that really takes her back. Something non-book related that makes me nostalgic for my tween slash teen days is anime. <laughs> I used to be a huge anime geek to the point where I was pretty obnoxious about it. But I have some fond memories at cons and with friends growing up and binging some anime and ultimately just being very nerdy. But I look back at it and it was a lot of fun. I knew absolutely nothing about anime until the last year or two when I started teaching. I'm amazed by how obsessed almost all of my students have been with it, and they think that I am so lame because I have so much to learn about the medium. I came in assuming they would be into influencers and Harry Styles, but nope, it's all about anime. What I'm trying to say is that Kat is very cool. This is like a really random thing, but I've been thinking about it a bit lately, is uh, when I was a kid and I used to be getting ready for school, I would eat cereal. And I used to love cereal boxes that had like games or puzzles or things like that on them. And I'm kind of on a cereal kick right now. And they just don't do that anymore. Um, Cereal boxes like have little cartoons and stuff on them, but the backs don't have like puzzles or games or stories or anything like that. And so when I do find that, it makes me really nostalgic because I just remember sitting there eating my cereal and I would be reading the back of the box or playing the games or whatever, even if I kind of knew what the answers were or if I'd done it before, it didn't really matter. I used to love a word search on the back of a cereal box. I'm bummed to hear that those aren't really a thing these days. Question three is a listener sewed classic. Which book were you most excited to hear held up on the podcast? Which were you most bummed to hear didn't hold up? Holly will jump in first with her thoughts about the book she thought held up the best, to her relief. For me, that was Trumpet of the Swan. I didn't remember this book at all from when I was a kid. I know I read it. I have a copy. Uh, I'm a children's librarian. There's a copy in the library. I just didn't remember the plot or the characters. I loved the characters. I loved the character of Sam. He was so like curious and how he kept a journal and wrote down his questions. I really think that that's like a great thing for my elementary school students to see uh, how he observes nature. The book had surprisingly good disability rep with Lewis, the swan that can't trumpet. And I loved how his dad really advocated for his son and would stop at nothing to help him overcome his disability. I really thought the book was funny and charming with also like peaceful nature scenes and the music elements. The only thing that really stuck out is maybe not holding up, was um, Sam's teacher in school provided different word problems for the boys and the girls in the class, in the fifth grade class. The girls' word problem was something about bottle feeding a baby. How many bottles would you need to feed a baby? So I just thought that was funny and very 1970. Uh, But other than that, I'm glad that the podcast prompted me to do a reread of this one. Your turn, Kat. A book I was excited to see covered on the podcast and that held up pretty well, I guess, um, was Hatchet. I remember reading that book back in like, I don't even remember what grade it was, but I remember it was assigned reading. And I still think about that book even now. Parts in the book just stuck with you and I really still enjoy it. And I was glad to see that um, you and your guest enjoyed it still as a reread. I was also happy to find that Hatchet held up. It's been so long since I recorded that episode. Maybe we are due for some more Gary Paulson on the show soon. 
One of the books that I was so excited to hear on the podcast was uh, Margaret Peterson Haddix's Running Out of Time. I loved that it held up and that you covered it because so many people don't know that book. And I always feel like I'm silly when I ask people if they know it because so many people don't. It is a wild book and I love that everybody agreed that it was still a wild book about a girl being able to escape this museum um, living history place that she grew up in. Um, I also would recommend folks to check out the sequel. It's kind of strange, um, but it is very nostalgic for all of us who grew up with this book. As I mentioned on episode 57, Running Out of Time was one of my very favorites when I was a kid, so I share Shira's sentiments. Side note, I had a ton of fun coming to Among the Hidden, which was written by the same author more recently for episode 273. As a reminder, all of the episodes mentioned here will be listed in the show notes. What is a book that I was excited to hear held up on the podcast? It's Ramona the Pest. I was so nervous when you said you were doing Ramona because I also really loved the Ramona series. And so I was very nervous that it would not hold up, but it was really fun to hear that Ramona was kind of like the every kid, every heroine. And I can't remember if um, she was compared to Anne Shirley in that episode, but I kind of think of her as being like an updated version of Anne Shirley or Anne Shirley if she had been part of a family unit that had like an older sister or whatever. One thing that did surprise me is I forgot that Ramona was so young. Like in my head, Ramona is like 10 all the time. And I guess I just didn't realize she was a kindergartner in the first book, but I really did enjoy uh, hearing that it held up and it made me feel really good because <laughs> I really liked the Ramona books as a kid. No one chimed in on the second part of that question about the books that broke their heart because they didn't hold up. Maybe I ruined a few less childhoods in 2023? Doubtful. Speaking of which, it's time for one of my favorite listener sewed questions in which I ask for your dissenting opinions. What do you think I've gotten wrong on the pod this year? Go ahead, Abby. Definitely being Team Logan. I'm not even sure what episode that was on, but the fact that you're Team Logan is just wrong. I think you're Team Logan anyway. That's what first popped up. And honestly, like maybe Logan is the best match for Rory. I'm not sure about that. But in terms of like who I would want to be friends with or hang around with or maybe date, it's not Logan or Dean. It's Jess. I don't know. Maybe I just like those that like those bad boy sultry eyes and not stealing boats. I am in fact Team Logan and I have mentioned it on several episodes over the years and while I respect your dissenting opinion, I will not be taking further questions on the matter at this time. For the record, I am not in favor of stealing boats. Your turn, Holly. I re-listened to the end of this episode. I'm not sure that my opinion dissented with with Allie's, but I definitely disagreed with the guest. I'm talking about the book Dawn, The California Diaries, the little spinoff of Babysitter's Club. And this book, I think I may have even recommended it to you to please do on the podcast, and it did not live up to my personal memory of this book. I found a copy on Thrift Books. I ordered it. I reread it. I was so annoyed with it. It was so angsty and overdramatic and ridiculous. But of course, I mean, what did I expect, right? This is, I should have expected that. I just remember when I read it, that it was so cool. Like it was so edgy and 
just way cooler than Babysitter's Club. (laughs) I was so disappointed that Dawn said in the book she did not miss the Babysitter's Club. (laughs) It felt like Dawn was a completely different character, a different girl in Stony Brook, and then this totally like new person in these other California Diaries books. So that just like didn't live up to my own recollection of it. I should have just left it in the past where I remembered it fondly. Now I would like to introduce you to another listener, Julia. Julia takes a slightly different approach to this question, and I find this perspective really interesting. This is not something that SSR got wrong per se, but I noticed a historical theme that I feel almost made it into an episode but just missed by a hair. It would be cool to keep this trend in mind for future books and episodes. For The Secret Garden by Frances Hodgson Burnett and Emily of New Moon by L.M. Montgomery, you and your guests talk about the mention of magic and what you would call manifesting and positive thinking. And it struck me as very strange to have that kind of meme written into those books. I thought, who the hell was spouting New Age philosophy, which is normally associated with the 1960s and beyond, at the turn of the century, like the late 1800s and early 1900s. And it occurred to me that, oh, that was the time of seances and spiritualism and theosophy, like the invention of theosophy, all of which was heavily practiced by the literati. So of course, I checked out those authors on Wikipedia, and here's what I discovered. So in the early 1880s, when Frances Hodgson Burnett lived in Washington, D.C., she became interested in Christian science, spiritualism, and theosophy. These beliefs would affect her later in life as well as being incorporated into her fiction. And with L.M. Montgomery, when she would take solitary walks through Prince Edward Island in the peaceful countryside, she started to experience what she called the flash, a moment of tranquility and clarity when she felt emotional ecstasy and was inspired by the awareness of a higher spiritual power running through nature. Montgomery's accounts of this flash were later given to the character Emily Bird Starr and also served as a basis for her descriptions of Anne Shirley's sense of emotional communion with nature. There you go. Thanks to Julia for doing that extra research. You know I love thinking about how contemporary themes and archetypes pop up in older books. And this is great context for The Secret Garden and Emily of New Moon. Definitely something to explore in future episodes. We have one more dissenting opinion. This one from Tracy. This one might be like, it was going to be a little unpopular by something I say, but the summer I turned pretty, I watched the series I guess last summer or whatever when it first came out and you know was interested in it but I'd never read the books they came out when I was graduating college so I just kind of missed them being kind of in the sweet spot of being able to read them and my students at the time I was a teacher were not reading the the summer I turned pretty I don't think so I just missed it I read The Summer I Turned Pretty after I watched the first season, so I may have had some like preconceived notions, but in my opinion, Belly is the problem in that show and in that series. I am actually probably more team Jeremiah if I had to pick one, but I'm actually team Don't Pick Belly because I think like she's very problematic and just kind of toys with the guys. It's actually my, now that I am looking down the path at 40 my belief about Gilmore Girls as well that like Rory is the problem and actually the guys are all pretty much the same but 
team no guy. <laughs> um, and so I'm also that way. I'm actually more for the summer I turned pretty. I'm on the side of the guys that I just really feel for them. And I just really don't like belly at all. So that's my dissenting opinion is team neither guy, which I know is not how it's supposed to be. But there you go. I had a lot of fun getting into the world of cousins and the summer I turned pretty with the second season of the show this year. And I would be curious to hear if anyone else agrees with your take, Tracy. Hi, it's Belly. I'm the problem, it's Belly. P.S. Team Conrad forever. My next listener sold question is new for this year. What book or books do you think will become a classic for kids or teens in the near or distant future? Number five is a question about future classics. I think anything by the author Kate DiCamillo. I don't think any of her books have been featured on the podcast because they sort of ride that line between what is a throwback and kind of what is too current. Her book, Because of Winn-Dixie, that was published in 2000. The Tale of Despero in 2003. She's had others like The Miraculous Journey of Edward Tulane. Um, more recently, I think last year, she published The Beatrice Prophecy, which reminded me of The Tale of Despero in a lot of great ways. She's just published another short story this year. I don't have the title, something about puppets. Her writing is top-notch, and students are still constantly checking these books out. So despite The Tale of Despero being 20 years old, it's a really popular read-aloud for teachers at my school, and the kids just love her stuff. They love her stuff. She has books for younger readers about Mercy Watson as a little pig, all the way up to some books that would be better for sort of middle school kids. Funny enough, Ann Patchett is one of my favorite authors. And in her book, These Precious Days, she has a whole essay about discovering Kate Camillo's books and actually becoming friends with her. So there's kind of a cool little author connection there. But Kate Camillo's books, I don't think are going anywhere. I'm glad she's still writing. And if you haven't read any of them, definitely recommend. Holly, I am hopefully about to make your day because we actually do have one Kate Camillo episode. Episode 127 is all about Because of Winn-Dixie, and it features Hunter from Shelf by Shelf on Instagram. I haven't read any of Kate's other books, but I would love to, and I think there's definitely room to cover more of them on the show. There is some serious classic potential there. Let's hear from Kat next. Oh gosh, I don't even know what kind of books would become classics in the future for, for future kids. I want to say like, all the craze around Twilight would make it a classic. Maybe The Hunger Games. It's, I feel like it's got to be like something that was like just overtook the world at the time. And I feel like those two fr like franchises would definitely be like in the classics in the future. There's definitely something to this theory, Kat. I imagine that people who grew up in the craze around franchises like the ones you mentioned will go on to introduce those books to their kids which just might set them up as the next generation of classics. A book that I hope becomes a classic for teens is Andrew Thomas's The Hate You Give. I think it has gotten a lot of attention because it came out at a time where everyone was very aware of police brutality and the ways the students were affected by racism in their own communities and their own schools. Um, I think it's gotten a lot of attention, especially being on some banned book lists, but I hope it continues to be allowed to be taught in schools or the parents recommend to their kids because it's a great book and I hope it becomes a classic for many years to come. I also hope that The Hate You Give becomes a classic. It's been years since I read it for the first time, and it's one that I would like to revisit. I like to think that I've learned quite a bit since then, and I wonder how I would experience it differently. 
a book that I think will become a classic. This one's kind of funny, but I actually think it's The Hunger Games and I think that it's already happening. So I have very vivid memories of reading The Hunger Games for the first time. I was a brand new baby teacher and all of the English teachers in my department, I taught middle school English, were reading The Hunger Games. And I had never heard of The Hunger Games. I didn't know about it. And the teacher said, oh, our kids cannot stop reading this book. It is going through all the grades from like seventh grade up like wildfire. So you have to read this book. And I remember sitting down and reading it. I finished it in just a couple of nights and was like, okay, wow, this is great. And when I first saw the cover and heard the premise, I was like, I am not going to like that book. <laughs> There's no way. And I loved it. And now teaching college, my students all have very, very fond memories of reading Hunger Games, of watching the movies. I think they kind of conflate the two a bit, but I feel like it's moving into that realm of classic, almost like Harry Potter was for me as a kid. This is like the next generation up. And a lot of my students were very excited to go see the new Hunger Games movie because they had these memories of Hunger Games from when they were younger. So I kind of think that it's already happening. And so it's also fun to hear Catching Fire on the podcast this year, which was one of my favorite episodes. Um, I really enjoyed that one. Clearly, Kat and Tracy are on the same page. It does make me feel old to discover that The Hunger Games is already becoming a classic, but that's a subject for another day. For question six, I turned my attention to other types of media and asked, what middle grade or YA book would you most like to see adapted or readapted for film or TV? Abby will get things rolling for us once again. The Firekeeper's Daughter. I really loved this book. I thought it was really well written. I loved it being set in an indigenous community. And I thought the, the female character was really strong. Thank you for reminding me to reprioritize The Firekeeper's Daughter on my own TBR. I've been meaning to read it for a few years now. Diane joins us now with her answer to question six. Hey, Allie, this is Diane from Minnesota. And I am calling in about the 2023 listeners sewed and there are a couple of questions i would love to answer the first one what book would i love to see adapted into a movie there's this book called the girl in the box written by wita sebastian i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing her name right it's a book that i read when i was a kid in elementary school and it kind of traumatized me it's about a girl who's kidnapped literally kept in a cement box with nothing but food water and a typewriter with paper and the whole book is her writing letters typing out letters slipping them through a slit in the box and just hoping someone will find them an epistolary novel if you will it again traumatized me as a kid but I loved it kept going back to it and I would love to see this turned into some kind of some kind of movie just maybe to introduce more people to it because I honestly don't know anyone else who's read this book that book does sound super dark, and because of that, it also sounds ripe to be turned into a movie or TV show. Thanks, Diane. We'll hear from Kat next. I feel like there's not many books left to be adapted because a lot of them have been already adapted into series and movies. But I feel like a fun one would be The Lunar Chronicles by Marissa Meyer. Um, I like those fairy tale retellings. I think that would be a lot of fun to watch. And then um, another one would be... The Westing Game would still be fun to watch to be adapted because that book was a trip. Hollywood, don't forget to give us credit when you take all of these ideas. Next question. And it feels especially important in 2023 as I wind down for maternity leave and prepare to jump back into the show in a few months. 
What's one book you hope SSR covers in the future? Why? Well, it wouldn't be a listener sode if I didn't mention the Betsy Tacy series. I would love for SSR to cover another Betsy Tacy book by Maud Hart Loveless, specifically the book Heaven to Betsy, which is the first of the high school series where Betsy is in high school. She's a freshman, she's 14, and so many things are changing around her. And it's just one of those books I just love going back to. It's so cozy and relatable in so many ways. And I would love just for SSR to go back to that world. So those are my questions I'm going to answer. Thanks again for the show. Good luck with 2024. It's going to be an interesting, exciting year for everyone. Thanks, Allie. Bye. Diane, we really do have a nice little tradition of talking about Betsy Tacey on these listener sodes, don't we? Tracy has some thoughts on this one too. I've given this recommendation a couple of times, uh, but I don't think ever on a listener sode. It is The Dollhouse Murders by Betty Wright, I think is the author. This little book, it came out in the 80s and it took me years years to hunt it down. I actually uh, read this book. I just got it from the school library, had never heard anything about it, read it, and it terrified me because I'm a big weenie and I don't like scary books. And I didn't like scary books as a kid, but I loved this book. So it's about a young girl who um, moves in with her, I think it's her grandparents, but maybe it's not. But she goes up into the attic and finds a dollhouse that is an exact replica of their house. And as she and her sister are playing with the dollhouse, it starts to reenact a murder that happened there. Um, That was her, I think, great-grandparents or someone getting murdered many years before. And she and her sister kind of think, oh, this dollhouse is trying to tell us something. It's, I don't know what exactly, but it's trying to get us to do something. And so it was frightening to me as a child. And it was also really exciting and interesting and was like one of the first like scary books that I really read. And then maybe like six or seven years ago, I remembered this book and I was like, I need to find it. It Took me forever to hunt it down. I got a copy of it, reread it and was like, okay, I remember this. And I would love to hear it dissected and hear how it uh, lives up. And I always like the his, the research that's done on the podcast. So I'd love to know a little bit more about the history of the book and just what, if any way, it contributes to current literature. We know I don't love scary, but I also trust Tracy's recommendations. I've had the Dollhouse Murders on my wish list for the show for a while now. We'll see if there are any takers in the future, maybe for a Halloween episode. Podcast listeners, including the voices featured on this episode, have been introducing me to new-to-me books since the show started back in 2018, and it's always interesting to hear from people who have had the same experience, but in reverse. What book or books have you discovered through the pod that you didn't read when you were younger? I've discovered a lot of books that I hadn't read as a kid because of the podcast and because of the very short-lived SSRBC, which is the book club for SSR that kind of went through your category uh, of podcast episodes. So I read a lot of really cute books that I didn't read as a kid. A couple examples were like the Betsy Tacy books and from the mix of files of Mrs. Basil E. whatever <laughs> was a really cute book as well that I wish I would have dove into as a kid. RIP to the SSRBC. Maybe we'll bring it back in 2024. If anyone is interested in volunteering to be a leader, send me a DM or email. Kat had the chance to read some great throwback books because of it, and I know others did too. 
Some of the books that I've discovered from the SSR podcast were a lot of the books written by Avi. Some of them I had never read, and when you talked about them, I couldn't believe they weren't a part of my childhood. And then there were some where once the story started to be told, I realized I might have read it. So thank you for bringing a lot of Avi books to light, and I know there will be probably more to come. Yes, I was such a huge Avi fan when I was growing up. To date, we have covered the true confessions of Charlotte Doyle on the podcast, but I am hoping for nothing but the truth and Perlu the Bold in the not-so-distant future. I'm sure there are others that are slipping my mind. Over to Tracy. One for me was All the Kind Family. I had never heard of this book, and I really enjoyed the conversation and kind of the nuance around this family and their just unique challenges and unique struggles. I always get a kick out of like commenting on how old the moms are in these books because again, someone who's now north of high in the 30s will say it's funny to to think of like having all of these children or all of these different kind of issues where the moms were probably like in their 20s and that just it's crazy to me. So but I did like that book and I read it after I heard about it on the podcast, and it was a really fun read that I had never heard of before. Okay, everyone, the year is coming to an end. We are all reflecting on our 2023 reading and gearing up for 2024. Now is the moment of the listener sode when our contributors will offer their recommendations for you. Remember to check out the show notes at www.ssrpodcast.com slash listen slash episode 275 for the complete list. Okay, this is such a loaded question because I could recommend so many books. So I just tried to do books from this year and I tried to also give it a little bit of variety. So the first one is Remarkably Bright Creatures. I just finished this book for my in-person book club last week and it's just like a giant hug. I laughed, I cried, I put aside a page that I think I will go back to again and again and read whenever I feel sad. The next one I also finished last week, it was Jessica Simpson's memoir, Open Book. I really recommend it on audio. She reads it and there's also some new songs at the end. I really loved her story. I was pleasantly surprised. Then there's Lucky Red, The Bandit Queens, and Chain Gang All-Stars. Over to you, Holly. I'm going to go back to talking about E.B. White. The book is called Some Writer, and it's written by Melissa Sweet. And it is a biography of E.B. White, but it is written using Melissa Sweet's kind of signature illustrations and beautiful designs that every single page, it looks like you're reading a beautiful like coffee table book, picture book. It feels like you're opening something magical, not just like a dusty old biography. It's such a beautiful tribute to E.B. White. It was fascinating to see how certain events, people, places, animals from his real life just made it right into the beloved stories that we know. He was a huge mover and shaker in the world of early children's lit. And I just wish that he had more written more for us to love. It made me cry. So if you're, you know, I feel like the listeners of this podcast are definitely hold a special place for children's literature. And this is a beautiful book called Some Writer by Melissa Sweet. I'll just share one quote from it, from the book. E.B. White said, anyone who writes down to children is simply wasting their time. You have to write up, not down. Children are the most attentive, curious, eager, observant sensitive, quick, and generally congenial readers on earth. Children are game for anything. Thanks for that recommendation, Holly. How perfect for our SSR family. From the research I've done about E.B. White for podcast episodes, he seems like a really interesting guy. And that quote, that sells some writer on its own. 
If you liked Harry Potter and haven't read the Nevermore series by Jessica Townsend yet, get on that train. The world building is equally as rich, the plot is compelling, and the lessons and symbolism about the real world is updated and fresh. I echo Julia's recommendation here. I am super far behind and have only read the first book in the series so far, but my husband ate up all three of the already published titles, and I know there's a new one coming next year. Maybe I will add books two and three to my maternity leave TBR. Also, a fun fact, we did an episode about Nevermore for New Reads November back in 2019. Kat, tell us what to read next. A book that I recommend to the SSR community and also to you, Allie, as your maternity leave book uh, would be the Amari and the Night Brothers series by Bibi Alston. I feel like that middle grade book is so much fun. And then the third book will be out like sometime in, I think, summertime in 2024. But those books are so, so good. So definitely pick those up. Now, Shira will jump in with her recommendations. One new YA book that I would recommend to folks is Becky Ombertali's Imogene, obviously. It is a great book, has a lot of heart, a lot of spunk, and some very good characters and storyline, and I'd recommend it to almost everybody. Unsurprisingly, thanks to question nine, my own TBR has just gotten even longer. Speaking of which, the final question of this year's listener sode was kind of a selfish one, but I am hopeful that it will give others some ideas too. What should I read while I'm on maternity leave? I think you should read Fourth Wing because you've mentioned reading it on maternity leave a few times. And also, I think it's kind of a good world to dive into. It's a big book, but it's a quick read. It's not super dense. And then I should just, I just think you should read whatever you want and whatever you're feeling like in that moment. I think during your maternity leave, it's really going to be not that I'm not a parent, but I have a feeling it's going to be a very much a mood reading type of thing. Like, what are you in the mood for? Um, And I think also, not that you asked, but just a reminder to give yourself space to put down a book or go a few days without reading and to not feel guilty about it. So read whatever you want, read whatever makes you happy, read whatever keeps your attention, but also it's okay to not read sometimes if you don't want to. This is great advice, Abby. And I do think Fourth Wing is going to be first on my list, as long as it feels right. Now I will hand things off to Tracy to wrap things up for us. Um, I have three uh, recommendations for you. Number one is Happiness Falls by Angie Kim. This book is so amazing. I would tell you to read Wellness, but I know you already did. That was my favorite book of the year. But Happiness Falls is like definitely number two on my list. It is so, so good. Such a riveting mystery with substance. And it's very character driven. So I think you'll really, really like it. Second recommendation is You Again by Kate Goldbeck. This is just like a fun, frothy rom-com. It had me giggling and laughing and like looking for every spare minute to read it. It's like a modernized version of When Harry Met Sally for the 2023 audience. And I absolutely loved it. And then the last is Memphis by Tara Stringfellow. This is another favorite of mine from the year. That was a big surprise. This is a family story of three generations of women in one family and just their struggles, their life, their challenges, how they interact with each other. It has some really heavy content in it, but it was very similar to, or kind of um, not similar, but maybe talked to and was in the same vein as um, Silver Sparrow. And 
just a beautiful introspective look at these three generations of women. So I think you'll really like them. So enjoy your maternity leave. And I can't wait to hear more from the podcast next year. Happiness Falls has been on my shelf for a few months, waiting for the perfect moment to be picked up. It sounds like that moment is upon us. I will also add you again and Memphis. And for the record, Nathan Hill's Wellness was also one of my favorite books of 2023. Okay, friends, that's a wrap on this year's listener sewed, on SSR in 2023, and on my pre-baby podcasting life. This is definitely not goodbye, but there's still something about it that's giving me all the feelings. I will miss having this dedicated time with you every Tuesday, but feel so grateful knowing that I will have our community to come back to in a few months. Again, make sure you are following me on Instagram at SSRPod for all the news and updates. And please consider becoming a podcast patron to show your support for the show and to score lots of content while weekly episodes take a pause. In the meantime, thank you, as always, for being part of our SSR family. I appreciate you all so much, and I can't wait to see you in the new year. Wishing you all the best in health, happiness, and reading in 2024. SSR is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Thanks so much for listening to the SSR Podcast. Check out our website at www.ssrpodcast.com for show notes and other information. And be sure to connect with us on social media for updates on upcoming episodes, behind-the-scenes inside scoop, and some good old-fashioned book talk. Find us at SSR Pod on Instagram and Twitter and search SSR Podcast on Facebook to join the group. To reach out directly, you can send me an email at hellossrpod at gmail.com. If you're loving the show, it would mean so much if you could subscribe, leave a five-star review, and share your thoughts with a comment. And don't forget to tell your friends, too. In the meantime, happy reading. I'll see you next time on the SSR Podcast.